Hello, welcome to The Recapitals. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm the head of production here at The Ringer and also the host of Bachelor Party and also a massive TV fan. In fact, we all are at The Ringer, which is why this week we have released The Ringer's list of the 100 best TV episodes of the century. That's right. Every show since the year 2000 was eligible. One entry per show, and we made a list. You can check it out at besttv.theringer.com. And check out theringer.com for all of our TV content. We have Allison Herman on Recap Culture. We got Shea Serrano coming on Dwight Schrute. We have Victor Luckerson on Were People Happy on The Office? And so much more. There's Kate Nibbs on Tom Cruise's Oprah moment. And we've got Alyssa Bereznak on One to Kill Off a TV Character. Please don't miss it. And I hope you enjoy the recapables. We got a call about a disturbance? Nope. Nope. Nothing disturbing here. Just a couple of friends having an awesome dinner party. Your neighbors say they heard some shouting. Oh, yes. There was screaming. Welcome to The Recapables. I'm Amanda Dobbins, the culture editor for The Ringer. I am joined today by Jason Gallagher. Ooh, thank you for having me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say more. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Guy who watches Office. Yeah. And Shea move. Serrano. Hello. And we're here today to talk about one very special episode of The Office. But first, I want to explain why we're going to talk about The Office. This week on The Ringer, we did a very big project. It was a very exciting week. Mm-hmm. It was called... The 100 best TV episodes of the 21st century. And we went through and we watched a lot of television and we picked 100 episodes. They all aired after 2000 or later. Yeah. And we wrote about them. We did separate pieces. We've been doing podcasts. We did videos, which Jason worked on. And it's been really, really fun. It's an amazing list. And so as a part of it today, the office episode that we have chosen for this project is... Dinner party. I do not agree with this pick. Thank you. The rules of the list were one episode per show, which we're going to come back to because we'll let Shay air his grievances. But the, <laughs> <laughs> the episode that we picked for The Office was Dinner Party. Season four, episode 13. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Paul Feig, written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stubnitsky. And it aired on April 10th, 2008, which, fun fact, it was the first episode that was filmed and aired after the writer's strike of 2008. Huh. There was a... Long break in season four during the writer's strike, and this was the first episode back. The Office was one of NBC's top comedies at the time in 2008, with an average of 8 million viewers per episode in season four, which allowed showrunner Greg Daniels and the writers to push for something slightly darker than usual. Um, I've learned while researching for this podcast, according to a Rolling Stone oral history about this show, the working title for the episode was Virginia Wolf as in Who is Afraid of Virginia Woolf, the famous play, Mm -hmm. which will make a lot of sense when we explain what happens in the episode. So I'm going to do that really quickly. You guys can interject. You got it. If you feel like I missed anything. Okay. Okay. We begin at the Dunder Mifflin Scranton office, where everyone is working overtime on a Friday night and is very upset about it. So Michael takes a stand with corporate and tells them that everyone is going home, and he wins, which is easy for him since the overtime project was made up in order to trap Jim and Pam and Angela and Andy into having dinner with him. Genius. Cut to Michael and Jan's condo an hour later. Pam and Jim get a tour, which involves Jan's unused office, Jan's candle-making studio, and Michael and Jan's bedroom, where a camcorder is still visible and where Michael is forced to sleep on a bench. Back downstairs, the Aso Buco still needs to roast for three hours, which is normal dinner party stuff, so the group has to keep busy. They play a truly terrible game of celebrity. Jan shares the music of her former assistant, Hunter, 
And Michael shows off his 15-inch and adjustable plasma screen TV. But slowly, the wheels come off. Jan tells a mean story about Michael wanting ice cream, and she seems to think that Pam and Michael once dated. Dwight shows up with two wine glasses and his former babysitter. Michael reveals that he had not one, but three vasectomies. And then at dinner, after being chastised for dipping his meat in wine, Michael retrieves his blue neon beer sign and hangs it back on the wall. Jan throws a dundee into the plasma screen. The cops arrive, and Michael goes to stay with Dwight. The dinner party is finally over. I feel like I actually left some things out. I kind of went beat by beat, and there are definitely, there's some Pam plot lines that I missed. Yeah, the, you missed uh, Jim attempting to bail exactly, on the dinner party. Which I want to talk more about, but so it's basically, everything that I just described happens in about 20 minutes. It's unbelievable. Right. Maybe 21. And right. so, we're, we do categories on the recapables. Our first thing that we need to talk about is why this episode, and everyone's going to get to explain, but... My theory is just that this is kind of the densest joke per minute episode of The Office, or one of them. This thing is jam packed. So much happens in twenty minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a there was a moment on my rewatch when uh, Andy and Angela arrive to the party, and I see the time code. It says fifteen minutes left in the episode, and literally none of the things have happened yet that I remember from this episode. Uh, all the things basically that you just listed is supposed to happen plus. The ending credits, like it's just, it's um, one of the writers calls it, uh, he uses the phrase, the killing field, which is basically a piece of writing or piece of episode that that is just joke after joke after joke. And there is literally no dead space. There's no setup. There's nothing. It's just hammer after hammer. And I love it. Shay, how do you feel about this selection? Uh, I don't agree with it. Okay. I definitely don't agree with it. This is, now, that's not to say this isn't a fantastic episode right it's not to say that it's not one of the best episodes of the office but i can't talk myself into saying that it's the best one if for no other reason than because we're missing half of the people from right. the show and a big part of the show is like the ensemble works together everybody has somebody who balances them out we can't have jim without dwight and pam we can't have dwight without jim and angela and michael we can't we have all these characters who there's somebody needs to be on the other side of the seesaw right it's really true i thought it was interesting that we picked an episode of the office that was not in the office That's but you part. know what's really crazy yeah. is that the other one that i felt like a lot of people were considering that a lot of people consider to be one of the better episodes is uh casino yeah what is it called casino night casino, casino night. night casino night and um yeah, it takes place in the warehouse, but still, it's just, it's outside of the office, which it just, I don't know. I When I initially heard that this was the episode, that this was the, uh, I kind of was like, oh, that's that feels wrong almost. But it it really does, I mean, upon rewatch, it's just like, it's it's the most efficient episode in terms of jokes. And I, I could see why, you know, I mean, think about our own workplace stuff. People get up. It's to, true. To go out, you know, and that's what all of these characters have done. And I think the, sh the theme of this show in general is that you find your life at work. And so uh -huh. in that way, it's okay. The the workplace, yeah. it's a traveling workplace, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that they're not in the workplace. Because for me, if I have to pick the very best episode of The Office, it's going to be the Dundies episode, mm. which also doesn't take place in The Office. But I feel like if we're comparing those two, we just get more uh, hat tips or hints yeah. or signs of things to come in that episode. Yeah, uh, I wrote some of them down. Yes. For example, I mean, just the Dundies themselves, spiritually, that's like the essence of what the show is. You've got one guy who cares very desperately about this thing and, yeah. and mm -hmm. his backup <laughs> partner who is like also trying to care about it and everybody else 
I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? They're just sort of <laughs> yeah. sort of tolerating it. So there's that. It's the first time we get a real sense that Pam is capable of standing up to and leaving eventually Roy. Yeah. We haven't seen that yet. She kisses Jim, which for some reason nobody ever talks about. Right. She was the first one to kiss that's true. Anybody. She's had a lot of ice blue drinks at that point. But, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, we get drunk Pam. Yeah. It's the first time we see Ping, the most problematic of all of <laughs> yeah. Michael Scott's Did characters. Not age well, but mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's also is the first time that we see Pam come to the rescue of Michael. You know, he's up there, he's sort of floundering. Those guys are making fun of him for singing at the show. It's all falling apart in front of him. And she's the one who like starts clapping and cheering and saying, We want more, and he gets excited again. And then it ends. The opposite of how the dinner party episode ends, which is everybody has just fallen apart and they're all miserable, to, except for Jim and Pam, I suppose. Right. But with the casino night, everybody leaves and they're all happy. Everybody feels good. Michael gets to feel good. He throws a little attaboy to Dwight when they're walking out. Pam and Jim are like excited. Yeah. We get that little tiny moment when she's going to say something to Jim, but then she doesn't because yeah. she looks at the camera. Like, it's definitely the Dundies is the best episode. I don't know how y'all let this happen. Shay, I regret to inform you you're going to have to talk about dinner party for the rest of this Let's episode. Let's do it. Okay. It's a good episode. I don't want to make it seem like it's not. It's one of the <laughs> best. The, the, only other, the only sure. other episode I even considered yeah. um, was obviously Casino Night, but then The Injury. Uh, I think The Injury is a fantastic episode. It's fun. Um, uh, written by Mindy Kaling, and it was, I don't know. It, it just, it's one of those that the plot alone is just incredible. It's like Michael grills his foot on a George Foreman grill and then oh, yeah. nice tries, Dwight. and then tries to convince the uh, the rest of the office that he's handicapped. Mm-hmm. I do think it forever changed how I think of George Foreman grills. Yeah. And oh, I have to imagine I'm not the only person who, who thinks of foot grilling every time I look at one. For sure. All right. <laughs> Back to dinner party. Thank yep. you, everyone, for... For sharing your feelings <laughs> about this process. I'm excited. I'm to talk sure about there this are episode. many people at home who are like, yeah, okay, but dinner party's the one. So who won the episode? Oh boy. Uh, I mean, like I just made the case for Michael Scott being the best thing about this uh this show. And I think he is a character that every single episode he's in, he's the MVP. I think it's a travesty, an American travesty that he did not win an Emmy. I, can't I think it that. is a travesty I can't that, that he only won one Golden Globe. Uh that, awards are made up. That being said, I would do co-MVPs here because Jan goes beat for beat with that guy and elevates his performance in a way that I don't feel like we've ever seen Michael Scott like this. Um, His... Uh, my favorite thing that Steve Carell does in act uh, as he's being Michael Scott is the way that he sort of reacts to things, and it seems so real. The way uh-huh. that he's playing the game, the way that he's talking about the vasectomies, that back and forth, the vasectomy back and forth. It Jan and him are just perfect, and and you see how much they actually just dislike each other so much. Um, so yeah, I would I would one hundred percent go with both of them. I know that's kind of cheating, but you got to j- pick one. I can't. This is Shaq and Kobe winning the All-Star MVP. This ain't an All-Star game. This is a championship. Oh, my God. (laughs) I guess, I mean, I guess, I guess then it goes Michael, but Jan is, I do not want to understate just how amazing she is. I I have, Um, uh, uh, Melora, Melora Harden? Melora Harden. I pronounced that right? Her name is Jan. Her name is Jan Levinson Gould, I presume. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, no, but she's, she's just Truly wonderful. Uh, I can't say enough about how I have, awesome I have Jen as my MVP because I don't think the stuff that Michael's doing works as well if you don't have her there. This is there are only I think in the whole history of the Office, all the episodes, hundred something episodes. Mm-hmm. There's only three times when Michael Scott shows up ready to blow everyone off the screen and somebody 
bucks up against him. This was one of the this was like the top performance that we ever saw against Michael Scott. Yeah. Because he is throwing it out there. Everybody else you could see, they're just sort of getting smaller and smaller in the background, except for Jan. Yeah. She's right there with him, as you mentioned, every single time. So you've got that one. You've got the the uh Pam has an art show. Yeah. Episode mm-hmm. where Pam is like, they're going back and forth here. A whole mm-hmm. different set of feelings, but we're watching them do it. And Pam stands up yeah. right next to him. And then the the uh, third one is, this is a surprise one, but it's when they're doing the therapy and it's him and Toby. And Michael is just <laughs> throwing jokes and jokes and jokes. And Toby <laughs> won't, he don't he doesn't do anything until he finally cracks it. And he's like, here, fucking sign the paper. What um, an upset there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. But for me, Jan is, um, everything she does in the episode is hilarious or biting or she just does these little looks mm-hmm. that she's shooting at Pam or at Angela or when she says like girls trip like that's the funniest thing to me yeah she's <laughs> she's on it in this episode and I know she's an easy character like within the office universe to hate yeah but watching her perform there it's unbelievable like that's an, a performance you don't expect this was like if we're gonna suck up to Bill this was like Larry Bird versus Dominique when they're going after it. Yeah. And you didn't expect Dominique to like keep up with Bird like he did. You didn't expect Jan to keep up with Michael in that situation. And I feel like she won at the buzzer. Like she she had it. When she comes out and she's like desperately, tr- what, what's happening to Michael? Like, yeah. And then she's gluing the thing back together at the end. That, that tips it in her favor. I, I agree with both of you. Melora Hardin is kind of one of the only people who can actually stand up to Steve Carell. Not mm-hmm. e- everyone is working with him, but they are really going toe to toe, and it's pretty fun. All right. Yeah, because you see him when he flexes on the uh, episode when when he's leaving, yeah. and it's him and Jim in the office. Yeah, and and Michael is like an Academy Award phase. Unbelievable. And Jim is just trying to like, I'm trying. I'm I'm, like, I'm here with you. <laughs> I'm also he's, he's giving his best, <laughs> but he just couldn't keep up. Jan does. Jan was great. Mm-hmm. Most iconic. Or memorable moment. God. Shay? It's got to be the TV. I think I it, think it, it unanimously has to be the TV, right? That's it, right? I, ha- I have a different answer. You do? Yes. Then the TV? Yeah, I think that Melora Hardin and Steve Carell going back and forth about their vasectomies mm-hmm. is, is so funny. When I said that I wanted to have kids and you said that you wanted me to have a vasectomy, what did I do? And then... Oh, when you said that you might want to have kids, and I wasn't so sure who had the vasectomy reversed. And then when you said you definitely didn't want to have kids, who had it reversed back? Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. I did. Okay. You've no idea the physical toll the three vasectomies have on a person. The way that his voice sort of breaks there, uh-huh. and then she looks at him, and she's like, you know, I don't want to bring a kid in this world, but you know what? And she, have a kid? and she just goes, fuck it, let's have a kid. <laughs> and then he just very, like, takes it super serious. Right and then he just goes, you mean that? You want to have a kid? And I I just lose it every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, the, t- the TV, the plasma TV is also very, very, very funny. Because they, they just keep building on the joke. <laughs> building on it. First, it's like they pan out to show the TV after he gives a speech. And then they do the thing where he pushes it in. Yeah. And then he says he just stands there for hours and it's like you're seeing him do all of this stuff because we've already seen the bench thing so you know Jan is probably making him stand yeah they just you've seen the coffee table yeah exactly they just keep pushing 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 the joke a little bit further have you seen the bloopers to to this oh yeah 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 Um, where Steve Carell just literally cannot keep it together because he's just like surround sound the way he's talking about it it's as if there is just a 90 inch television in front of him and it's just a 15 incher and when he pushes it into the wall no one in the room could keep it together. Yeah, from that same Rolling Stone oral history, this is a John Krasinski quote. 
Sometimes Steve Carell would get frustrated when we couldn't keep it together because he didn't think he was as funny as we thought he was. And also, he's more professional than all of us. (laughs) But on that one, he couldn't come back. There was something in the room there that was like an untamed animal, and we were just getting demolished by laughter. I think the whole, even Steve Carell absolutely couldn't keep it together for that that screen. Yeah. And then it's also kind of like Chekhov's plasma screen, right? Like at the end... It gets completely walloped by Jan. It's the most treasured thing. It's really the symbol of the dinner party, if nothing else. Yeah, it it, it really is hard to pick. There, there were when I was going through my rewatch. There, I mean, I wrote down like probably six or seven like actual contenders. Um, what were they? Give them to me. Um, rapid, Michael's rapid Michael fire. Michael drinking wine. He says it's kind of an oaky afterbirth. Gross. Unbelievable. <laughs> Gross. Um, <clears throat> the celebrity game, just the entire game. Oh, when, that's really when really he just good. when he just. He's, he gets the clue, and he acts like he's really thinking hard about how he's going to give the clue, and he just goes, first name, Tom. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he goes, well, okay, okay, last name, I'm going on a cruise. I mean, it's just— And then Jim starts and guessing Jim's Katie Holmes. messing with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Creek. whole interaction's great. The vasectomy, um, when he dips his meat into wine, and he says— uh, and then she's like, do you stop? That's disgusting. And then he says, I have soft teeth. That's like, and he's so hurt. He's, <laughs> he's so, so hurt by it. He goes, how dare you? Like all of the other stuff that has happened, but that's the thing. That's, that's the final straw. That sets him yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. And then teeth. even Andy has a great line when he's trying to get him to invest in the candles. And he's just like, thought about it. I'm in. And I just like how automatic, it, how mm-hmm. to automatically kiss ass Andy is, is really great too. So there's, I don't know. There's a lot of great contenders, but. I understand. For me, it's the vasectomy thing, but the plasma thing was like right there with it for me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Jason, you mentioned this already. What did you notice on rewatch that you hadn't really fixated on before? So there were like the actual like little things that I just didn't notice. Like I, I, I didn't. I never noticed that after the vasectomy thing that Jan actually says, "I hate oh, my yeah, life." Yeah, I, I, that was the first time I caught it too. <laughs> I never noticed that that she said. I, she I, just mumbles it. As she she's mumbles it away. as she's walking away. Um, it, but the, the moment that I never really like, I really truly appreciated was the moment that they, Jim and Pam arrive at the house. There's like 30 to 40 seconds of insane awkwardness. Just standing there. It's not funny. Um, Jim actually walks in and this is another little thing I never noticed before, but, uh, Jan and Michael hug Jim at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and, and they just go with it. And they, it's there's like uncomfortable banter that feels so real that I've had in my own personal life going to these things, uh, where you make these uncomfortable jokes. Everyone's voice is like an octave higher than it should be. Uh, it's really like a perfect primer uh, for for this uncomfortable night. You know what I like about that that moment is it's just a little tiny thing that they do, and the the writers of the show packed so many of these little things in there. But right when they walk in. Michael asked Jim, you know, what were you doing in, in the time off, basically? Mm-hmm. And Jim, very, like, calmly and coldly makes a, a, like, you mean since I saw you an hour ago type of remark, right? Yeah. And we saw them have that same sort of setup with Jim and Pam when they were alone together and they were walking out of the office. They had stayed late. And she asked him, you know, what are you going to do with your time off? And yeah. now in that situation, he's, like, very charming and he's like, I think I'm going to travel the world. Like, yeah. you just see the different ways that they handle each other. I, I really liked uh that one. But yeah, the Jan thing stuck out to me a lot. One of the things that I didn't notice until this very last time, right before we walked in here, I was rewatching it, is when Jan throws the Dundee uh-huh. at the TV and smashes it, 
nobody reacts. They just are looking. There's, yeah. like, there's nothing. Yeah. We get a bigger reaction when Dwight walks in and, and Pam like, oh my God, like she does yeah. a thing. But she walks over, this woman smashes the TV and nobody at the table. Yeah. By this point, it's like, well, of course that's what she did. Like that's what was going to happen. But right. they're just staring at it. And for me, that was like, Oh, okay. it, it is a slightly darker episode than oh, yeah. a slightly more cynical episode than most Office episodes, mm-hmm. which, as Shay, you very wisely pointed out earlier, the Office usually ends with everyone comes together and we're one <laughs> big dysfunctional family and we've each learned something about ourselves. I mean, that is that right. makes it sound less emotionally rewarding than it is. It's a it's a very ultimately kind open-hearted show yeah and this is notable because it's really everyone is just wants to get out of there hates each other and is willing to sit at a table Mm -hmm. unfazed when a treasured plasma screen is brutally attacked unbelievable another another just thing i like i noticed was during the the celebrity game i just never really thought about is that angela is on michael and Jim's team, mm-hmm. and she's earnestly playing, and yeah, yeah. also just getting get, everything. Get him, do another clue. Do another clue. And he literally just said Tom Cruise <laughs> and rhymes with Schmarnold Schwarzenegger. Uh-huh. And I just like it, it. Never really dawned on me that she's actually playing the game. Mm-hmm. She's just trying that hard. Yeah. Out of the world, she actually that poor is. Thing. Yeah. yeah. The next category is kind of an interesting one. What doesn't play anymore in 2018? What feels a little outdated, or you know, and. We don't have to talk to this. We don't have to speak about the broader show too much, but it is interesting to think about The Office in 2018 Mm -hmm. and how it would play and how it trades so much on the idea of this guy is completely inappropriate and every aspect of this office life is not exactly how corporate life is supposed to go. And and that's where the humor and the warmth and, like, the rewarding aspects of the show come from. But it's also, I wonder how much we could get away with now. I think I think you could get away with every single thing that happened in the show. If for no other reason than because this wasn't a, a show where the, the crude thing was the joke. It was, right. That was never the situation. Mm-hmm. It was like the guy's going to say an inappropriate thing. And the joke is going to be that everybody understands it's inappropriate except for him. So – that show can live in this world today, which is why it still runs on TV regularly and there's no issue with it at all. Yeah, I I think a a lot of the, the, probably the race stuff um, would probably, because of the exact reasons you're mentioning, like those people actually exist and and him being the only one and everyone else being sort of the avatar for for normal folk. um, You know, that's, that's, that's why I think the only thing is Michael, how 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 much Michael brought sex into the workplace I was is just, probably the one thing that doesn't fly today because he would have been fired a billion times out of a billion. I mean, is that safe to say? I mean, there's there's times where he like is literally just trying to just kiss a woman like over and over <laughs> yeah. again in well, the I, office. You know, I, I think Shay, you said it perfectly about yeah. the idea that he is supposed to be offensive and people are reacting to mm-hmm. that and and all of that ages perfectly. The thing I have written down is that there is a lot of inner office dating on this show, like mm-hmm. a dramatic amount. Mm-hmm. And especially in season four, it becomes kind of the the engine. And I was just thinking about how every single couple at this dinner party, with the exception of Dwight and his former babysitter, <laughs> which is in its own way, <laughs> another set of inner office dating, but everyone is is an office couple. That's we. It's... 
that's strange. I mean, I get it. It's a show. It's how it works. <laughs> I, it also it's yeah. also kind of how it worked at that time. Like there, like I, where I worked, there were a lot of. I've worked in places where there are were office couples. Now it's like a little different um, in this climate. But I, I specifically like the office couple thing in general. It's not as much as. Michael was super inappropriate many times, like many fireable offenses in, in this day and age if he worked at any place that cared about that kind of thing. So that's my opinion of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I just don't see, if you're writing it, how you could include it in 2018. Right. So, if that makes sense. Um, also, I read in the oral history that um, Laura Harden was supposed to hit a dog with her car. That probably yeah. would have been wild. Okay. I don't know how appropriate. Did you, you read that? I didn't they see that was part. in their first draft that she was supposed to hit a dog really? with a car on purpose, her neighbor's dog. Oh, on purpose? Yeah. And okay. then the, the studio was like, it's too dark. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little far. <laughs> I kind of weirdly feel like that's the thing that you could get away with now. Not Hitting because of— Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, not that—like, <laughs> please don't hit dogs with your cars or with anything else. No, never. Re- respect and protect dogs and other people and all living things. But in terms of the studio giving the note of, like, that's too dark. Yeah. You know, I don't know— I guess NBC might give that note still. Certainly a cable network or prestige network would be like, yeah, no problem. Like hit a dog. I feel like our definition of quote TV comedy has broadened at this point to include dog hitting. Yeah. Or really dark stuff like that. <laughs> I'm out. Okay. <laughs> I'm out. Shay, anything that um, stuck out to you? I'm stood done. out to you? As far as what wouldn't work? Or even what's, you know, what just seems a little dated now or different because it's 2018 you're looking at it differently now yeah it's i i think you have to go with jason there on the the sex stuff like that's yeah. just too can't do it yeah you just can't do it which yeah. is fine like okay we don't we'll figure out other ways to be funny um i think they would have done a fine job if they had to incorporate some other version of that part of michael mm-hmm. it would have been fine um but yeah we i don't mind losing that sure get out of here fair enough uh flip side what was surprisingly prescient about this episode? What did they see coming? When it ends, and everybody has sort of gone off and they're doing their own thing, and Jim and Pam are having this like very tender moment listening to the CD that that Jim stole, and it's like a cute little thing. And mm-hmm. Jan is trying to put the statue back together. It's very clearly like, oh, she's working on their relationship. She still wants it to work. We see it happen further and further. Um, but there's a t- the, there's a little moment with Andy and Angela when they're in the car together and they're ge- they're eating ice cream. She must have agreed to go with him to get some ice cream, and they're like, right. Andy tries to do a cute little thing and take a little bit of her ice cream, and she reaches, she rolls the window down, she reaches out and she smashes it on the car. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then I started looking back at like the history of their relationship there. And I don't know if this was done on purpose or I don't know if I'm just like super reaching, like Fantastic Four style reaching, but the ice cream thing. I feel like they used a lot of ice whenever they were working with Angela. For example, when Andy first begins to court Angela, he does so by stealing an ice sculpture. Like he brings it to yeah. the party. <laughs> she wanted that in there. The <laughs> first so time, the first time we hear like a clue or a hint where Andy is going to find out that Angela's cheating on him is when they go to Winnipeg. He's in Winnipeg in November and he like drunkenly calls Angela. And then in the background, real quick, you hear Dwight talking. Um, when Angela and Dwight break up is because mm-hmm. Dwight put the cat in the freezer. Like they just, I don't know if it was on purpose yeah. or not, but I caught that and I was like, oh, this is, this is the thing I want to talk about now. <laughs> this is an extremely well-written show. And that is also a detail that 
really only Shay Serrano or someone who has watched The Office as much as Shay um, would notice. I think you're exactly right. I'm sure it's intentional. I never, ever would have noticed it. This seems like a good time to mention that Shay is such an office expert that he actually wrote <laughs> a book Woo! about the office. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, it's called Conference Room Five Minutes, mm-hmm. 10 Illustrated Essays About the Office, and you can buy it at scranproject.com. I learned a lot from it. Did you? I really did. It's did you learn good. that it's not even a book? How about that? Well, what are what are we calling it then? I'm just calling it a PDF because I think it's funny. Okay. It is I, a PDF. That's all that it is, really. It's, it's a, a PDF. really, really long PDF with beautiful illustrations. <laughs> yeah, so, it's great. 81 pages. Yeah, and many more details like that one that Shay just shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this show is clearly written with like a level of precision that you can watch it and just be like, oh, this is a funny show and I like spending time with these people. And this yeah. is all like, this is also really comedy science. These people mm-hmm. are really good at what they're doing. Oh, yeah, and they're writing sure. it line for line. Um, everything has every joke feels like it has levels of some sort it's like three or four levels further than what you thought it was going to be which I'm watching the show right now with my kids my the twins are 11 and this is the show that they watch before they go to bed because it's like a calm show a soothing (laughs) show and every once in a while I can hear them in their room it's like you know 10 o'clock or whatever the lights are off the show's playing and I just hear them bust out laughing and then the next day I'll ask them you know what episode were you watching what was so funny and they're laughing right now at a lot of the like physical comedy like Stanley (laughs) dribbling or Michael throwing the ball way over (laughs) that stuff they think is hilarious and the older they get, they're going to see like everything, every little joke has like four other jokes baked into it, which is incredible. Like, it, Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, everything you said is absolutely correct. Uh, uh, the, the way this, I don't know if it's because it was after the writer's strike and they just had this thing just like ready to go, but uh, they, I can't, they I, did. I, I came just, ready. I mean, they came super, super ready. And this, this episode is just a good, uh, uh representation of just how precise that writing is each joke like i said i think it's the most efficient episode in terms of just hammering home jokes there's mm-hmm. so many moments i mean we barely even talked about hunter's song which is just oh yeah an incredible thing it took the, like four episodes to realize the that, hunted yeah that it was about like him and jan sleeping together <laughs> which is unreal <laughs> she's just making everybody listen to it <laughs> and then making jim dance with her i uh, the and other two, yeah. two weeks ago um, I started singing that song once once you asked you to do this podcast. Oh, I no. started singing that song oh, in the podcast no. studio and every single person started singing along. That was in the room. <laughs> Richie, Sean, you, all those guys. Let's talk a little bit about that. The song? No, about no. how every single person knows the words to that. And The Office is extremely popular at The Ringer. It's extremely popular on the internet. But there are a lot of people here who feel really passionately about it and who know all the words to Mm -hmm. weird novelty songs written for the show and no specific jokes and episodes who are really invested in it. And I do think that The Office is pretty singular in that respect and certainly the most beloved comedy among everyone we work for. And I'm curious, why do you guys think that is? Well, I think part of it, as we were just talking about, is that there's like an envy there. You see this thing that's, that's like, written and done in this exceptional way and you're like oh it would been cool to be a part of that or like you know it's easy to celebrate a thing that is very clearly better than anything any of us could have come up with yeah I think that's that's part of it also the joke the the 
the as we mentioned, the level of jokes there, like it's easy to grab onto at whatever age you happen to stumble across the show. Mm-hmm. It's just always funny for some different sort of reason. It's yeah. funny today for different reasons for me than it was five years ago when I was watching it when it was on TV at normal speed. You know what I'm saying? It's just easy. It's an easy show to celebrate. And, uh, you know, part of that is just because of Carell. If for no other reason, yeah. he's just so much better than everybody else. And I think, too, um, just speaking as to when it when it came on and how it's sort of life cycle <clears throat> within the different ways we watched TV. You know, it's it, it's the it's one of the very few shows that I can I can actually remember getting together with friends and making sure we were in front of the TV every Thursday because that's how we were going to watch it. I mean, we had DVR, but we wanted to watch it live. Um, it's also one that I can remember uh, watching on syndication with, you know, my parents, my in-laws over Christmas, you know, it was on at 1030 at night or whatever. It's also a show that I can remember streaming and binging, you know, it's like mm-hmm. pretty wild that it stretches across those things. And because of that, I feel like it reaches an age gap yeah. that is huge. It's one of the very few things that me and like any new intern <laughs> can actually speak about. And I understand what's going on is, you know, like. Uh, we have we have a guy named Richie. He's you know early twenties, and we talk about the office like at least once a week. I had a lovely conversation about the office with Richie in Starbucks the other day. It, yeah, yeah. You should you should also talk yeah. with Richie about the Richie's office. Richie's very knowledgeable about the office. <laughs> no, I think you make a good point. You know, from two thousand eight, it really does straddle kind of old millennial and new millennial, yeah. and even like above old millennial. It was when we were all still watching TV, the old fashioned way on you know when it aired but people can there are also many ways for people to still discover it yeah and so i think it also was kind of it it was definitely part of the phase that reinvented it reinvented nbc comedy remember it's kind of so that started again and it from the office you get parks and recreation 30 Rock is happening at the same time. It was certainly of a moment. Community at the same time, too? Yeah, I think a a bit after. But it was definitely Mm -hmm. part of a a comedy moment that was very funny. But that we were all paying attention to at the time and that has also influenced everything that has happened both on NBC and just in how sitcoms are made. But I do think, I do think, I mean, all these external reasons is correct, but I do think like it all, it all does boil down to what Shay is saying. Like I do think, like sometimes I watch it, I'm just like, I wonder, and, and every time it's just like, this is that good. This is that funny. Carell was that great. I yeah. mean, I I just, I, I think he's like one of the best characters, television characters like ever written, ever. And, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just. A whole show. And, That's just this is a show where you've got a whole cast full of some of the best characters yeah. ever written. Mm-hmm. Dwight is unbelievable. He is. Pam is remarkably complicated and, and. Interesting. We haven't even talked about her contribution to the dinner party episode. She has the two best lines of the whole thing when she's in the bathroom. Mm. And the first one, she's like talking about, I don't care what they say about me. I just want to eat. And then there's a pause. And she's like, which I realize is a lot to ask at a dinner party. I don't care what they say about me. I just want to eat. Which I realize is a lot to ask for at a dinner party. Like, and I could try and give that line a hundred times. I could never say it the way she said the way yeah. the way she does. And then there's the other one when she's in the bathroom again, and this is after she finds out that Jan might be poisoning Michael, and she's like, "I, I understand he's not 
she's not doing that. But if she were, wouldn't she be poisoning me? Michael's former lover because they was like they think she's dead. Like, I'll give you one more. Actually. Okay, give me another one. When Jim tries to abandon ship and yes. comes out, which is just, when are we going to address Jim? We got well. We will actually in our last category because okay, I'm you. ready for you. But because um, <laughs> that was a this moment move. we haven't talked about yet, and this is incredible. Jim comes out of the bathroom and he's flashing around his razor phone, mm-hmm. which is how you know exactly what year this is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he makes up an excuse about how his apartment's flooded and he's got to go get his stuff. Mm -hmm. And then... You'll never guess. I just got a message from my landlord. Apparently my apartment flooded. Something with the sprinkler. Oh, no. Pam, we should probably get going and see the damage. Oh, okay. Well, you don't need two of you to do that. That's true. Um... Dinner sounded delicious. Pam, oh. I'll see you at home. Thank you so much. Was a oh, great Jim, night. I don't think you're going to abandon this party here all by itself. I don't know, because everything I own is there. You can buy new stuff, but you can't buy a new party. Mm. That's true. That is a great point. Come on down here. Sit down on that couch and be amongst friends. And we're not right. going to think about all your stuff being destroyed, all right? And there's a moment where Jim is really considering, okay, well, No, he well, says, I'll he's like, I'll, I'll see yeah. you. All right, bye, Pam. I'll see you and at then, the I'll see you at the house. Let me <laughs> Jenna Fisher's face, unbelievable. And then she says, You can buy new stuff, but you can't buy a new party. Yes. Yeah. Just with such anger Just and the swish. threat <laughs> under her. It's a tremendous line reading. And this is another situation where, and again, the office did this on multiple occasions, but they call back to that same thing several seasons later when they're all going to lunch with, with Michael and Pam gets a phone call and she's like, "Oh, I can't. Oh, what did you say? I can't. Oh, I'm not gonna be able to make, yeah, make lunch." And then Jim comes over and he just takes the phone. And he's like, "Oh, okay, no thing." And then yeah, everything's good. And then they just go off. Let me just say, if it, if I had attempted to do like all I'm saying is that like there's a lot of like weird sort of retrospective. Jim wasn't a good guy. Pieces out there. That's I know. So dumb. He's so mad. Uh, <laughs> so dumb. But let me boo. say, that's the dumbest. I thing. say boo. If he had left Pam at that party for real. That's a that's a real that's a fight. That's indefensible. That's a, that's I, don't, a fight. I don't think so. I that's think a fight. I think that that's a funny thing to laugh about later Could on. You, if he like sneaks out of that party, you would. I I don't. I, I the be, anger in Pam's voice and the the promise of like a three or four reprisal hour. when she says you can't buy a new party. Uh-huh. I recognize that firsthand. <laughs> I have spoken with that register in my voice, and I don't think it would not funny. Yeah, I also love the Pam line when she's like. Uh, when just when Dwight shows up and she's just like, oh, like yes. it's like it's like when uh, oh like God. if you go to a concert and like a special guest comes uh-huh. out, it's just like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great segue to our last category, yeah. okay. which is you're having your own dinner party, uh-huh. and you must invite someone from this episode to your dinner party. Mm-hmm. Who would you most want, and who would you absolutely do anything to ban from the dinner party? Most want first. Go ahead. I most want. This is a tricky one because I was gonna say mm-hmm. Dwight, but Dwight doesn't work if Angela's not there. Right. So he's out. I still want Dwight. <laughs> you still want Dwight? I mean, I'm I'm Pam when she when he shows up in the episode. I'm like, yes, he's got his like, hairbrush and it, he's just holding the two wine glasses. I like that every time Dwight gets serious, he shows his whole forehead. Like that's how you know he's ready to. And play. this whole thing <laughs> just takes place. This vasectomy argument. Jam storms off, and he's still standing there. He's like, "Should I come in?" Like, it's just like he—he he is. I don't know. I think I'd want. I think I'd want to. I'm gonna just. I'm. I think the safe play here is to take Jim 
I think he's good okay. in any he's All good right. in any situation. All right. And like if it's just a normal dinner party and he's there, he's gonna be charming, he's gonna be funny. We saw when he did that with with David Wallace when they were at his house. Yeah. And like he talked to him for two That's minutes true. and then they just went outside together and were hanging out. <laughs> That's like true. I want to shoot hoops with Jim. That's true. Dwight might check out your the structure of your home yeah. <laughs> by the end of this. So I'm gonna make you mad because my answer of who I don't want is Jim. Why do you not and want Jim? I love Jim as you a character. Don't. Here's why. <laughs> okay. What you said about the cocktail party at David Wallace's house is correct. However, I'm basing the evidence on two things. One, I'm hosting the dinner party. And two, I just watched the episode Dinner Party in which Jim is not making it easier. In fact, his instinct in this moment of awkwardness is just to add more chaos to the situation. Mm -hmm. And when I'm hosting a dinner party, I'm just trying to keep everyone together. I need everyone to be trying their best. That's It's the social contract, right? You want everyone to try to make it easier and not harder. But that's because... And Jim's leaning into the chaos. No, that's because everything around it is already bad. Yeah, I think think I'm there. Because if, if you go to a spot where... Like Michael is is terrible in a lot of situations, but if we take the one when he showed up uninvited to mm-hmm. the party at Jim's house, and he was there, and he had very clearly ruined the party, starts doing karaoke by himself. Okay. <laughs> Who comes to save him? Jim comes to save him because he understands like this needs to be safe. Like that's the guy you you want, a guy who can take any situation, a guy who can take your boss that nobody likes showing up to the party that nobody invited him to, and making it a fun, great thing. That's the guy you need. At the party, give me, give me him. Give if me I get him. one guy, I, I did. I I loved the I loved the moment when he's in the when he's playing the game and Michael's like my 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 turn my mm-hmm. and then Jan's like chill out and he's like Jim's laughing and he's she's like staring. no look at his face and he's like he's laughing right now and Jim is <laughs> not laughing right not now. There's just not so many Jim moments that are just. They're really great. But I, th- yeah. I think I side with Shay that that he was already just in a situation that even if he wanted to help, it wasn't going to help. So was, he might as he well. He also tried to bail. He was smart. Okay. <laughs> He's smart. I, I want to be him in life or at this dinner party, but. I think my don't want at the dinner party. I don't know. Like, Angela's really funny in this episode to me. She's so cold. She's as cold as Mm-hmm. as ever in this dinner party to everyone, to Pam, to Andy. I don't know. She seems like a tough hang. <laughs> I feel like the, the fact that she was trying at, in, the, in game the game means she wanted to be there. She wanted to have fun. She's fine. I don't want Jan showing up. I think Jan is the one who sets everything off center. I think that's off, a reasonable. Off yeah. center. Like, Michael is always trying to like reflect somebody else's energy, yeah. which is why mm-hmm. he's drawn to the characters who, are, who he thinks are better than him or cooler than him. Because they're like, you know, aloof or whatever. But like, that's what he's doing with Jan. She starts doing the babe thing. He starts doing the babe thing. We never hear him do that otherwise. Without Jan there, I think that night is just 100% better. So keep her away from from my party. Give me Jim. Give me Pam. Keep away Jan. And I guess keep away the babysitter. Just... I actually, I, here's the thing. Oh, okay. She showed up with wine, and then she was the first person to be like, I guess I should leave now. Did, she has a normal sense of boundaries and social interactions, <laughs> and she knows when to leave. They brought meat, right? They they, they brought their own meat. And beet salad. And beet salad. That's gross. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, she was great. I, I think I've, I've just always sort of been creeped out by her because she was the mom in The Devil's Advocate. Yeah, she okay. was. And like ever since then, I'm like, she slept with a devil. As soon as she showed up, I'm like, no, thank you. She yeah. she didn't know what email was she, yeah. either. 
So that doesn't seem so like again, fun. sounds great. <laughs> She's not going to be bugging you. She gonna be shows like, up, <laughs> brings her own food, and leaves. Ideal okay. dinner party, guys. No thanks. No thank you. <laughs> okay, guys. Any last thoughts? I don't think so. Um, I the only thing that's on my notes that we didn't mention was that uh, Andy. Andy's outfit was outrageous. And Andy's when we were, kind of a non-entity. In he's this a non-entity, episode. but he wore a turtleneck under a flannel with a sweater over. He didn't it. know what to do. I mean, yeah. um, just he's amazing. covering all of his bases. <laughs> That's his big contribution, and I appreciated it. Yeah. He does harmonize when Jan plays the song. He's uh, trying. Maybe he's, he's trying. Maybe he's a secret best dinner party. He would have he would have invested in Jan's uh candle making business. That's true. Yeah. There we go. He was okay. all about it. All right. But you can have him. I'll okay. Take, I'll take <laughs> have fun with the baby okay. with a babysitter and Andy. <laughs> have fun at that dinner party. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, guys. Jason Gallagher, Shay Serrano. Thank you so much. Thank you. And everything else for our TV package is on theringer.com. Thanks so much. Great website. One last note, our theme song was made by our friends at songfinch.com. Check out Songfinch to turn your stories, memories, and even your feelings into a -a one-of-a-kind song by professional musicians. It makes the perfect gift for any occasion. That's songfinch.com. While you do your intro, can I sing Hunter's song just in the background? Yes. Um, me by the hand. <laughs> me that sounds hand. just like him. That's that really good. Night. Yeah, I sing I it a lot. Please put that in at the end. <laughs> <laughs> sing, that, sing that whole thing. That's yeah. really good. Yeah.